History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to History Goes Bump Redux. I'm your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, on this Redux, we are revisiting Sleepy Hollow and the Headless Horseman. And part of the reason we're doing that is we've actually been to Sleepy Hollow now. We have, and it was so exciting when we happened upon it. Yeah, it was totally by accident. You guys probably have heard the story in one of the regular episodes. But on our trip in August of 2022, we were heading up the East Coast, making our way to Salem. And we were heading back home. We were going to hit Gettysburg next. And we got stuck in some traffic and we got rerouted three times. As Google does. And our son Jared (laughs) was sitting in the back and happened to look up and saw Terrytown on a sign and said, oh, isn't that the name that Sleepy Hollow used to be? And I went, yes. And it's like next to that town. And we were like, it's right here. (laughs) Quick, get off the highway. (laughs) And we did. And we found the place where the original bridge had been that inspired the scene in The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, where the Headless Horseman is chasing Ichabod Crane across. Now it's just a regular road bridge. And then we got to go see the recreated one inside one of the coolest cemeteries we've been in, the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. Yes, indeed. Which also happens to be haunted. So it will be part of this episode. Kelly, are you ready to go back? I'm ready. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow is a well-known piece of fiction written by Washington Irving in 1819. Many of us first heard the story in our youth, and the tale fueled our imagination with images of a headless horseman chasing a man through the forest, carrying a fiery pumpkin that represented his head. It was a terrifying tale. But is this just simply a piece of fiction? Or is there some truth to the story? Headless figures are quite common in the world of the paranormal, and the setting for Irving's story is a real place with real locations mentioned in the tale. As Diane said, we've actually gotten to visit it and even paid our respects at the cemetery, which is Irving's final resting place. Join us as we explore the legends of the Headless Horseman and the history and hauntings of Sleepy Hollow. Just then, he saw the goblin rising in his stirrups and in the very act of hurling his head at him. Ichabod endeavored to dodge the horrible missile, but too late. It encountered his cranium with a tremendous crash. He was tumbled headlong into the dust, and Gunpowder, the Black Steed, and the Goblin Rider passed by like a whirlwind.
The character of Ichabod Crane in The Legend of Sleepy Hollow is very much like us listeners. He was intrigued by stories of the supernatural. So was Washington Irving. Irving was born in 1783, the baby of a family with 11 children. The family was living in Manhattan, New York at the time, and the Revolutionary War was coming to an end. George Washington was a national hero, and Washington Irving was named after him. Like many writers, Irving had a wonderful imagination, and he would rather write a story about an adventure than stick to his studies. He regularly ditched class and headed to the theater. Yellow fever broke out in 1798, and Irving's parents sent him to Tarrytown, New York, in hopes that he would avoid the dreaded disease. Irving fell in love with the area and enjoyed hearing the stories about local lore. He went on to attend law school, passed the bar, and went to work in his family's merchant business. When the War of 1812 broke out, Irving joined the fight, and the family business suffered. When the war ended, he traveled to Europe in hopes of saving that family business. Writing was a favorite pastime for Irving, and he enjoyed creating short stories. In 1820, he put together a volume of short stories and included in the collection a story called The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. The story was set in 1790 in a town called Sleepy Hollow that was a Dutch settlement. In the book, this is a town that is described as a little different than other places. The village had an enchanted air to it, and the residents all believed in the supernatural. At the time, Sleepy Hollow was actually North Terrytown, and it's not surprising that Irving decided to make this childhood location his setting, since it fed his love for the unusual. The area was first inhabited by the Wekwaskeek Native Americans that were possibly part of the Mohican tribe. They also are sometimes called the Manhattan, which is where I think the name of Manhattan came from. The Dutch came and called the future state of New York New Netherlands. A Dutchman named Adrian Vanderdonk owned what would become Sleepy Hollow in the mid-1600s. In 1672, Frederick Phillips acquired this land along with some other parcels. And when the English came and took over in 1674, he pledged his allegiance to the crown and was rewarded with a title. The name Sleepy Hollow seems to have been derived from a name that Vanderdonk called the Valley of the Pocantico River, Slopershaven, which means Sleeper's Haven. Surprisingly, it wouldn't be until 1996 that Sleepy Hollow would become the official name of the village. The first name was Phillipsburg. Philip set up his land as a manor and built a manor house, a mill, and a church on the property and invited tenant farmers to set up on his manor. The old Dutch church built in 1687 still stands in the village. And we got to see that. It was really neat. Yeah, it was very cool looking. I believe we put pictures up on Instagram. I believe you're right. (laughs) For much of its early history, Sleepy Hollow was agricultural. But by the 1840s, the Industrial Age swept in and industrial mills were built. In 1900, one of the first General Motors plants was built on the Sleepy Hollow waterfront. Men like Ansem Phelps and John D. Rockefeller built mansions on the old farmland. It is thanks to the Rockefellers that much of the historic parts of the village were preserved. Phillips Manor House and Mill still stand, as does the Rockefeller Mansion, Kaikut. Back when Irving lived in the village, he spent his time fishing and hunting in the area that was still heavily wooded. And he talked to the locals about their lore. One piece of legend really interested him, and that was a story about a headless horseman. He first heard the story from an African-American mill worker at Carl's Mill, which was the Sleepy Hollow Mill. The horseman was a Hessian soldier that had served during the Revolutionary War, and he'd lost his head to a cannonball. Rumors circulated that he haunted the cemetery where he was buried, the old Dutch burying ground. Hessian troops had raided the various villages during the war, and so a Hessian soldier on horseback was a terrifying thing to the local people. The soldier in the story was even more frightening because he was riding around without his head, 
so he more than likely is looking to replace his head. The headless ghost also seems inhuman because it lacks the ability to express emotions. Thus, such a figure was absolutely terrifying. This original legend that Irving based his short story on went something like this. A Dutchman was drinking at the local tavern in Terrytown and heard the story of a Hessian soldier who was buried in the old Dutch burying ground without his head because it could not be found. The men spoke of a ghost on a horse galloping through the cemetery, and they surmised that he was looking for his lost head or attempting to lead the troops in a charge up Chatterton Hill during the Battle of White Plains. The Dutchman laughed at such a story, but when he left the tavern at midnight and began his walk home in the dark, he was no longer laughing. When the graveyard came into sight, he felt an uneasiness and he quickened his step. His eye was caught by a light emitting from the ground in the graveyard. A white mist rose from an unmarked grave. He began to sweat and his heart pounded. The mist formed into a horse with a headless rider and the Dutchman screamed. He dropped his lantern and ran. He ran as fast as he could to the bridge because the lore about water tells us that spirits cannot cross it. Unfortunately, the Dutchman stumbled and tumbled from the road. As the headless horseman galloped past him, he saw that he was wearing a Hessian uniform. He hid in the bushes for a while and then went home to tell his wife what happened. The story soon spread through Terrytown, and people began to believe that the headless horseman was real. To add more credence to the legend, there are historical facts to back it up. There's a marker on Merritt Hill that reads, This historic site is Merritt Hill, which marks one of the actions in the Battle of White Plains on October 28, 1776. During the attack on Chatterton Hill, the British marched up the road to Connecticut, which was Lake Street, to attack the left flank of Washington's defense, assembled on Hatfield Hill, opposite Merritt Hill. General Heath, under General Washington, had placed Colonel Malcolm, his New York regiment, and Lieutenant Fenno with one field piece to station Merritt Hill in defense of Hatfield Hill. Lieutenant Fenno fired a cannonball directly into 20 British horsemen approaching Hatfield Hill. This single shot caused the British to retreat back towards White Plains. This historic marker details a brief skirmish between American and British forces, but that's not the whole story. The British also brought along reinforcements in the form of Hessian mercenaries from Germany, and it was one of these unlucky men who was to find himself the recipient of one cannonball to the head and live in infamy as the headless horseman. As American General William Heath wrote in his journal, a shot from the American cannon at this field took off the head of a Hessian artillery man. They also left one of the artillery horses dead on the field. What other loss they sustained was not known. Irving not only heard tales from the people of Sleepy Hollow, but he actually read General Heath's journal. Another bit of truth in Irving's story is the character of Ichabod Crane. He was a real person whom Irving met while the two were serving during the War of 1812 at Fort Pike in Sackett's Harbor, New York in 1814. And just a few episodes ago, we were talking about Sackett's Harbor. Isn't that cool? Synchronicity. Yeah. But how cool to find out that this story isn't just something he came up with off the top of his head. There's actually historical facts to back a lot of it up. Yep, absolutely. Stories and legends of a headless horseman are found in Celtic, German, American, and Indian folklore. In Ireland, he is known as Dulahan or Dulachan, which means dark man. The dark man is a terrifying figure described as a headless fairy astride a black horse carrying his head under his inner lower thigh or holding it high so that he can see a great distance. So apparently the eyes still work. <laughs> apparently. He wields a whip made from a human corpse's spine. When the dark man stopped riding, a death would occur. In some versions, he can be frightened away by wearing a gold object or putting one in his path. 
In Glenmore, on the Isle of Mull in Scotland, rides a headless horseman near the 13th century Dwart Castle. The horseman is said to be Ewan MacLean of Lochbuie. He had a goal of being a chieftain, but that dream was cut short when he lost his head in battle. He continues to search for it to this day. Scott's Magazine has a more detailed account of the story behind Ewan MacLean's demise, and here is a brief bit about the legend itself. I first became aware of the presence of the awesome specter of the headless horseman that haunted the roads of Mull when I was still an impressionable schoolboy with two miles of lonely island road to walk each way to and from school, summer and winter. One morning I learned that the grocer's van had been confronted by the specter at a bend just above our house and had escaped only by cutting the corner and bumping across what was, fortunately, a soft, heathery flat. Why, I saw the evidence of it with my own eyes when I went up and examined the deep tire tracks. As time went on, more evidence came to my notice. In particular, there were two very ancient trees whose trunks grew almost horizontally along the ground, one by the roadside near Salon, near gone since the construction of the new road, the other beside the bridle path where it skirts Lock Bay, the right-of-way that once crossed the shoulder of Ben Moore in Central Mall. In each case, a MacLean of Duart was walking along in the dusk when he was attacked by the headless horseman, who was a MacLean of Lockbuie and had no use for the Duart MacLeans. In each case, the man managed to fend off the ghost attacker with his dirk in one hand while holding his ground by gripping a young sapling in the other. The struggle went on until cockcrow. Then, of course, the specter had to retire to the shades, leaving the McLean men exhausted but safe beside the saplings, which they had almost torn out by the roots during the struggle, and which grew horizontally ever after. Many a time as I toddled home in the dark past the cemetery, which was bad enough, along the winding road lined by dark, humpy bushes concealing unknown terrors, I quaked at the idea of the headless horseman suddenly lowering above me on his black charger, even although I wasn't a McLean. I love that they have a story about why those trees were growing along the ground that way. Yeah. Germany has the legend of the wild huntsman that originated near Saxony. This is a headless horseman who blows a horn to warn hunters not to ride the next day. It's a portent of danger, and Germans believe it means there will be an accident. Some variations of the German lore make him out to be a good guy or a type of vigilante dealing swift justice against perpetrators of capital crimes. The Headless Horseman is seen as a heroic figure in Indian folklore. The Jinnajar is described as a Rajput prince who lost his head while defending a village from bandits. He refused to back down, even after being beheaded. In Mod Pradesh folklore, it is said that he's born out of violent and wrongful deaths or deaths that have occurred while protecting innocence. He does not harm innocent people and is vulnerable to powdered indigo dye. Chicago has its very own headless horseman. This legend dates back to the Pullman strike of 1894. It was named for George Pullman and the company he created building the Pullman sleeper cars for trains after the Civil War. The company town of Pullman, Illinois, was built around a factory. Things were good until the financial panic of 1893. Pullman cut employee wages heavily, but didn't cut the cost of living, mainly rent. The employees were outraged, and their union took action. Employees boycotted Pullman trains and threatened to strike during protests. What had started off as peaceful got violent when the government stepped in. President Cleveland sent in the army. Protesters set fire to buildings, and several civilians and soldiers died in the melee. Union leaders were arrested. The strike was broken, and the plant reopened. Shortly thereafter, stories of a headless horseman riding near the 4900 block of Loomis Street were told. Many believe he was a cavalryman who lost his life during the strike violence. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So now we know that Irving was inspired by a legend that the people of Sleepy Hollow told, and it would seem that this village has a headless horseman, Spectre. Was Sleepy Hollow as superstitious and haunted as Irving seems to describe in his story? Irving wrote in his story, Some say that the place was bewitched by a high German doctor during the early days of the settlement. Others, that an old Indian chief, a prophet or wizard of his tribe, held his powwows there before the country was discovered by Master Hedrick Hudson. Certain it is, the place still continues under the sway of some witching power that holds a spell over the minds of the good people, causing them to walk in continual reverie. They are given to all kinds of marvelous beliefs, are subject to trances and visions, and frequently see strange sights and hear music and voices in the air. The whole neighborhood abounds with local tales, haunted spots, and twilight superstitions. Stars shoot and meteors glare oftener across the valley than any other part of the country. And the nightmare, with her whole ninefold, seems to make it the favorite scene of her gambles. There are those in our modern era that claim that Sleepy Hollow is one of the most haunted cities in America. When we visited Sleepy Hollow in August 2022, we were touched by the charm of the place. This is a town that embraces their place in literary history with little headless horseman logos on the street signs, and the local high school mascot is the horseman. There are two cemeteries that are connected to each other, and we made a beeline for them with our ultimate goal being finding the old bridge. One cemetery is the aforementioned Old Dutch Burying Ground, which is situated next to the Old Dutch Church. That church is the second oldest extant church in New York and was built from fieldstone with walls that are two feet thick. Clapboard is above the roof line. The interior furnishings are built from wood. Burials began at the churchyard in 1650. Frederick Phillips is buried here. And of course, as we all know, this is the reason we even have Sleepy Hollow. As for hauntings, of course, there have been sightings of the Headless Horseman. The other cemetery is the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery, which was originally named Terrytown Cemetery, much to the disdain of Washington Irving. This is where Washington Irving and several members of his family were buried, and the cemetery took the name Sleepy Hollow at his request. Other notable people buried at this cemetery are Walter Chrysler, Andrew Carnegie, Elizabeth Arden, William Rockefeller, and Robert Havel Jr., who printed and colored Audubon's Birds of America series. The cemetery opened in 1849 and encompasses 85 acres with 40,000 burials. A recreated wooden bridge is about halfway into the cemetery. From the story, an opening in the trees now cheered him with the hopes that the church bridge was at hand. The wavering reflection of a silver star in the bosom of the brook told him that he was not mistaken. If I can but reach that bridge, thought Ichabod, I am safe. Hauntings in the cemetery include soft, disembodied whispering heard throughout the cemetery by visitors. An apparition has made an appearance on several occasions and seems to wander between the headstones. This is such a neat cemetery. I wish we'd had a lot longer to wander through. We basically spent about 30 minutes there, made a mad dash up to Irving's spot where he's at, and it's behind a gate, and he's got a, a white stone there that's his headstone. Yeah, it was far too short. We could have spent so much time there, but we were, I think we had a 13-hour drive that day. Yeah. 
We got pictures so. of the bridge, which Jared did a great job. He got into the middle of the river because there were some big stones that were there. And he got a great picture of the bridge from like the middle of the river. Yeah, he's such a great photographer. He is. I'm like, you're missing your calling. <laughs> and then uh, thankfully, you can drive through much of the cemetery. So we drove through it pretty quickly. We stopped at Andrew Carnegie's grave. I think that's the only notable one I can remember that we stopped at other than Irving's. But great, great cemetery. Love to spend some more time there. Definitely need to go back. The cemetery also has the legend of the Bronze Lady. Samuel Thomas was a Civil War general who became a very wealthy man after the war with investments in coal and railroads. His wife, Anne, had a large mausoleum built for him when he died in 1903, and it sits at the top of Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. Anne also hired sculptor Andrew O'Connor Jr. to make a large bronze sculpture of a woman. She was seated with her hands cupping her left knee. The eyes of the figure were downcast, and she appeared to be very mournful. Anne wasn't happy with the statue because it was too sad. The sculptor made a happier head, and Anne said she liked it much better. And being the way that some artists can be, we love you guys. Thomas had no intention of changing the head. He threw it to the ground, smashing it. Oh, my. He's like, I'm never putting that on there. I like what I did. Some believe that the statue was insulted. And after Anne passed and was entombed with her husband, rumors began that the bronze lady was cursed. There were several claims about the statue. The first was that if you hop up in the bronze lady's lap, then jump down, spin around three times and look at her, you will be cursed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You'll also be very dizzy. Another said if you hop up in the bronze lady's lap and then go and peek into the keyhole in the mausoleum door, you'd maybe see a ghost. And another said if you touched her face, you'd invite a curse. Or if you insulted the sad statue, you'd risk bad luck. Of course, teenagers have made it a game of daring each other to try something. And like many cemetery statues, this one is said to weep. There's a Gothic revival-styled mansion that overlooks the Hudson River in Terrytown, New York, known as Lindhurst Castle. It was designed by Alexander Jackson Davis in 1838 and has been home to former New York City Mayor William Paulding, Merchant George Merritt, and railroad tycoon Jay Gould. It was originally named Knoll. The design was so unique that many called it Paulding's Folly. Each of the men who lived in the house expanded it. Merritt renamed it Lindenhurst, after all the linden trees on the property. At some point, it simply became Lindhurst. The mansion has appeared in the 70s movie, House of Dark Shadows, and Night of Dark Shadows, both based on the famous gothic soap opera, Dark Shadows. The grounds have haunts. There is a story of a little girl in a white dress that has been seen running through the bushes and hiding behind trees, and visitors claim to sometimes hear a small child's laugh. When people run over to where they've seen her, they find nothing and no one. It's believed that she is the child of one of the former owners who drowned in the Hudson River. Behind the mansion, there's a statue with hands high in the air looking skyward. During the month of October, the statue weeps. The statue is said to haunt anyone who tries to harm it or deface it. I wonder why it only cries in the month of October, because Halloween's going to be coming to an end? I don't know. That's why I would be crying. <laughs> King House Mansion is in Terrytown. It's located at 49 East Sunnyside Lane. The property has been in use for over 165 years. In 1955, Sybil Harris King, daughter of Benjamin Newton Duke, co-founder of the American Tobacco Company, died on the second floor of the King House Mansion. Sybil was wife to Frederick King, son of Thomas M. King, who was vice president of the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad and owners of what is now the King House Mansion. She's been heard pacing up and down the second floor hallways and tends to linger near room 293 the room she is said to have passed away in. Sometimes Sybil will even appear as an apparition in white or show herself through sounds, orbs, and faint shadows to guests staying in her former home. The home where Washington Irving lived in Sleepy Hollow is called Sunnyside. 
It was a small cottage sitting on the banks of the Hudson River when Irving moved into it in 1835. He renovated the place and expanded it into the beautiful home that it is today. He collaborated with his artist neighbor, George Harvey. The home is enveloped in the vines of an exotic wisteria plant. Most of the furnishings are original. Irving loved the house and died there. It is reputed to be haunted by Irving and his nieces. Their apparitions have all been seen around the house doing things to tidy up. Diane's friend, ghost hunter Linda Zimmerman, wrote of this location. Irving made his home at Sunnyside in Terrytown. Some people claim that to this day he still resides in his beautiful mansion. There are reports that Irving's spirit walks the halls and rooms of Sunnyside and that he particularly favors the tower known as the Pagoda. It seems to be poetic justice that the man most known for his ghost story would pass on and create one of his own. A picture was taken in the house in 2010, which featured what looked like the head and upper body of a ghost holding a quill pen. Irving mentions a location known as Raven's Rock in the short story. This is a place that is described as foreboding and dark on the east side of Buttermilk Hill. Oh, I just love that that place is called Buttermilk Hill. (laughs) The legend that went with this location, according to Irving, was our infamous Lady in White. But there are those that claim there are three ghosts that haunt this place. These three ghosts are described in the book History of the Tarrytowns by Jeff Canning and Wally Buxton. Raven Rock is part of Buttermilk Hill in the northern reaches of the Rockefeller Estate near the old Hawthorne Traffic Circle. Legend tells us that three ghosts, not just Irving's Lady in White, roam the area. The Lady in White was a girl who got lost in a snowstorm and sought shelter from the fierce wind in a ravine by the rock. The snow drifted in and she perished during the night. It's believed that the spirit of the Lady meets the wanderer with cries that resemble the howling of the wind and gestures that remind one of drifting snow, warning all to stay away from the fatal spot. A more ancient legend tells of an Indian maiden who was driven to her death at Raven Rock by a jealous lover. Her spirit is believed to roam the area, lamenting her fate. The third spirit is that of a colonial girl who fled from the attentions of an amorous Tory raider during the Revolution and leaped from the rock to her death. Patriots Park is a four-acre park between Terrytown and Sleepy Hollow that saw activity during the Revolutionary War. It is said that a Hessian soldier was beheaded in the park and that his apparition is seen here. So apparently, there could be two headless Hessian ghosts in Sleepy Hollow, or somebody got their facts mixed up. A more prominent haunting is connected to a monument erected in 1853 in honor of an event that occurred in the park. Three Patriot militiamen stopped a man wearing regular clothing, and they started asking him where he was heading. That man was Major John Andre. He did not answer in a timely manner, so they decided to search him and found papers on his person that connected him to Benedict Arnold and some high-level espionage. He was quickly arrested for being a British spy. Benedict Arnold managed to run away to Britain, but Andre was sentenced to death by General George Washington. He was hanged on October 2, 1780. An unnatural spirit has been felt near the monument, and people claim to see the spirit of Major Andre in his full military dress near the monument. The Major was a poet, and sometimes the uttering of poetry by an unseen entity are heard. If you take Spook Rock Trail in Rockefeller State Park Preserve, you will come across Spook Rock. Here is the legend told about it. A young Native American hunter, one quiet night, finds himself in the presence of celestial maidens, enraptured in dance and song atop Spook Rock, or as he knows it, a sacred council rock of his people. Amazed by the sight, he gasps, and in doing so scares away the maidens, excluding one who lingers to lay eyes on the intruder before she vanishes with her brethren up into the sky. Unable to sleep, eat, or think straight, the native hunter returns repeatedly to the spook rock in hopes of finding the maidens dancing there again, but does not. Eventually, after some time has passed, his diligence is rewarded, 
and he crashes their revelry to capture the beautiful maiden who had lingered before. He marries and has a child with the celestial maiden, and while at first she seemed to miss her home in the stars, she soon falls into domestic bliss. After some years, the sound of singing and cavorting echoes from the woods and longing once again returns in her, but she holds fast. Another night of the sounds of her friends proves too much, and she leaves her husband and child and does not come back. His mother gone, the child cries, won't eat, and eventually dies. The native hunter buries his son along the banks of the Picantico and, racked with despair, walks off into the wilderness and is never seen again. His hut falls apart with the passing of the years, and when it is no more than a ruin, the celestial maiden returns. She thinks she's only been gone a few hours when years have passed instead and finds her family and child missing and their hut a pile of rubble. She doesn't understand the unequal passage of time, thinks it's a cruel trick or that she has the wrong place. And so she goes off into the night to find her husband, her child, and her earthly home. It is said that on clear and quiet nights, with a crisp blanket of stars overhead, you can see lights dancing in the woods at Spook Rock. And even then, you might see the celestial maiden moving alone through the forest along the Pocantico River, forever searching for what she lost. Sleepy Hollow is a place that's perfect for Halloween. Not only because the beloved Halloween classic, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, is set here, but because this area seems to be genuinely haunted. Or is it? Were these stories that inspired Irving true, or just legends? Do ghosts walk among the tombstones? Does a headless horseman really ride in the dark of night? Is Sleepy Hollow haunted? That is for you to decide. Well, we didn't see any ghosts when we were there. We didn't get a chance to do any ghost hunting, but it certainly is a city to visit. We definitely need to get back because we had no idea that it had all these different locations there that we need to see. We just stopped at the cemeteries and at a gas station where Jared and I both got a couple of Sleepy Hollow hoodies. Yeah, and you only found those because I had to pee so bad. Yeah, (laughs) Kelly's like, I'm either crouching in a bush here in the cemetery, we got to find a bathroom. I would not have done that. I know you would have done that. (laughs) (laughs) So definitely check out Sleepy Hollow if you get the chance. Hope you guys have enjoyed this revisit of this wonderful location and the legend about the Headless Horseman. I know we did a whole episode on Headless Horseman stories too, I think at some point. We'll probably end up redoing that as well. Thanks for joining us for this one. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.